Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Afternoons on SEN. Welcome back. We're a big here. Open line one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 Or you can get onto the 40 Wings Temper text line 043-98-1116. Consumer's Choice Winner Temper Mattresses, Pillows and Adjustable Bases conforms to the exact shape of your body. You ring and the next hour you will get yourself a hand on a prize. Just want to get to a couple of texts before we get to Adam Peacock, who's in Qatar, the Code Sport, of course, and has done a great job. If you haven't watched his reports, you can see him on social media, but on codesports.com.au. He's across there for the World Cup. Uh, but before I get there, I just want to read a, cu- a couple of texts. Uh, first and foremost, I want to read a couple out from Ben. Now, I think Ben, I think he's got a hate factor towards me and probably SEN, but me in particular. What's with the interrogation, Goss? You're acting like they got facts wrong. Uh, no, I didn't assume they got facts wrong, Ben. But what I will say is, and I quote, they didn't name an umpire, but they said the umpire in question he got caught betting on Brodie Majic to get three votes on the Queen's birthday and also Dan Hanabry to get three votes on his final game. Now, no one has been charged, and I'm not so sure they are the allegations against umpire Michael Pell. I'm not so sure he did bet on Brodie Majic on a Queen's birthday, Dan Hanbury. I stand corrected, but I'm pretty sure there hasn't been that allegation made against him. He may have provided information, allegedly, but I would be very mindful of making such a serious allegation that he bet on the games. Um, and good luck to the boys. Absolutely no problems at all, Ben. I've got no issues with it whatsoever without them. He says, imagine if you mainstream media puppets held each other to account the same way that you busting this guy's balls. Sounds like jealous gatekeeping. Mate, I was giving the guy the airtime to talk about you know, whether he was proud of what he did. I mentioned back to the bench. I gave put dates to it. I asked whether he'd been spoken to by Victorian police. He didn't want to answer that. Not busting his balls, mates. That's actually doing what a journalist does. Ask questions. Ben, take a break. Have a Bex and a good lie down. Let's go to Adam Peacock because we're a bit to the quarterfinal stage. Codesports.com.au is a footy writer. He's one of the best in the business. And my daughter thinks he's got the best job in the world. He joins us. Uh, Peacock, thanks for joining us. No worries, Goss. How are you? Are you in Australia or are you still over there? No, nah, Australia. Are you Came home last night. Oh, your last night. I was going to say, I thought last saw your reports there walking through the streets. Um, mate, what an experience. What an experience to be over there in Qatar with the Socceroos and what they've managed to achieve. But also just the fact is you're, you're at a World Cup, the, arguably the greatest sporting event of all time. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry for the dog in the background. That's one thing you won't hear in Qatar, by the way. No dogs over there. I saw no two dogs. in my whole experience. Yeah. No, it's um, Islamic country, so they're, they're not the biggest fan of dogs. Um, they, they love their cats, cats everywhere, but uh, dogs, uh-uh. so anyway, um, yeah, as a as a footballing experience, I, I, I'm not entirely sure I'm ever going to be able to top that. I, I did the, the stock take last night of the, the little tickets you get every time you get into a game as a member of the media. I went to 18 <laughs> World saw Cup that. games. So, saw that post, it was a real yeah, good for the pool A room. bit of a flex, that one, but I couldn't help it. So, um, uh, why not? Yeah. Why not? <laughs> uh, and just um, the Socceroos but, in general, mate. I mean, just to be there and to see what they achieved, and 
Yeah, I know you're a world game man and, and a lover, but what about those who are not? I mean, how significant was everything that they've done over there? Oh, huge. It, it, beyond expectations. So that's the first thing. So when you go beyond expectations, you, everything automatically feels better and tastes better and smells better and everything like that. So that's the certainly the case with the Socceroos. But for that group of players as well, because, you know, that six months ago, I, I dare say that most sporting fans in Australia would have been able to walk past most of those guys in that squad and not even recognise them. But now for them to get a bit of, you know, fame, notoriety, um, you know, a bit of respect, the main thing, from the general Australian sporting public is is huge because they're a wonderful bunch of guys. There's not one big ego amongst them. Um, and they've all done the career the hard way. Like, having to go overseas, and I'll paint it back to what we see here, like there's the go-home factor, and it's understandable for young footy players who go from Perth to Melbourne or Perth to Brisbane, want to go home after a couple of years and whatever. That's fine. These guys... These guys go to frigging Belgium and Portugal and Denmark as like teenagers, and thrown into a backyard of a, of a, um, a football mad country where all the local kids want to go. And there's this Australian trying to take their spot. So they've been able to do it the hard way to get to a World Cup in the first place is one thing in their careers. But to perform the way they did, just so happy for them. So where to now for some of these blokes? Let's let's use Harry Souter, of course, as an example, because he was the one that seemed to rise to prominence for the best part for his performance as fullback. Where does this put him in the in the conversation about playing for a, a, a bigger team and at a bigger league and and somewhere in the world, or or do we or, or, or do we just get a bit caught up in the in the now rather than the long term? No, no, absolutely not. There's there's every justification to say that Harry Suter is going to be playing Premier League football within 12 months. Absolutely. So he's playing at Stoke at the moment in the championship. And, and Stoke are a reasonable enough um, club. They're in the second division. They get 20000 to a home game. They're owned by Bet365, who have more money than God. So that they don't exactly need the money. But Harry wants to play at the top level. And I think um, his wages will um, go up out of it. Uh, he's got a three-and-a-half-year contract left at Stoke. So it's advantage club in terms of getting a really good transfer fee in for him. Um, I think he will go. I'm not entirely sure he'll go in January. I think it'll be next summer. But there'll be there'll be move, there'll be things happening in the background right now in terms of lining him up to take him to the Premier League um, for a fee in the region of about thirty five to fifty million dollars Australian. So it's pretty good. It's pretty good, but that's the market. He's yeah. a UK-based player in the UK. They're, they're, that's rolled gold, that. So, all yeah, righty. Uh, yeah. What about all the right. manager? What about the manager? What does he do now? Because some would say, well, mate, you've taken them to that stage, which, which was significant, and you were not disgraced in even your departure game against Argentina. You had your moments in that game. This could have been big. What does Graham Arnold do? Would he be now fielding offers from clubs around the world, which will basically set him up for life. And this is a bloke that no one wanted. This is a bloke was doing things a little bit left field that everyone was going, this is not really what we need. And he was, uh, he, he backed himself in and achieved some wonderful results. One, to get there, but two, to also play so well. Where does Graham Arnold fit into the world scheme of things right now in regards to being a football manager? Yeah, so he'll get offers. Yeah, absolutely, he's on the radar of clubs around the place, like to, to get that. Because what will happen with clubs around the world, they'll look at the World Cup and go, wow, um, Australia got out of the group with a squad who are majority playing off Broadway, you know, in in leagues or in teams that are not, you know, your 
your higher standard in the big five leagues, if you like, in Europe. There's only two players in the squad that played in there. So Arnie, in terms of what he's done with the playing group, amazing. The way he did it in terms of togetherness and building a, a, a bond with those players, that didn't go unnoticed. So, yeah, he's, he's opened, him up, opened himself up to offers from international sides, uh, not just at international level, but at club level as well. Now it's back on him. But what does he want? He can walk into Football Australia tomorrow and they'll be having discussions in the next couple of weeks, I'll let to believe, about what he wants it to look like. He can put down what he wants. Football Australia can say what worked, what didn't. They'll have a mature discussion and then come to some kind of conclusion. I'd be, I'd be amazed if it didn't come to pass that Arnie is the next manager if he wants it, but we don't fully know that. Like You're right, he might look at it and go, how am I going to top that? But yeah. then I'll go back and I think, he'll look at the squad and he'll go, you know what, this, this squad's got so much more to give in the next four years. So it's not like there's eight blokes going to retire tomorrow. It's not like Tim Cahill, Miller, Yedinak, Robbie Cruz, Mark Milligan at the last World Cup retired yeah. after the World Cup. So I, I think he's, he's there's a bit of um, juice to squeeze out of that. Uh, I wouldn't call it a lemon, but you know what I mean. There's a bit yeah, more to come from yeah, the squad. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, it's an interesting one because I, I always worry about the replacement, you know what I mean, and whether they... They go back to Europe and, you know, they've gone through that line with Pimper Bake and, and Gus Hiddink and uh, Terry, even going as far back as Terry Venables and stuff like that. I've got no issues mm. with all of that because they're obviously in their own world. They're, they're obviously very good managers. But I, I just think what I liked about this Socceroos team, and I'm a, I'm an interloper, mate. I'm coming from the outside looking in. I'm looking and I'm going, that's an Aussie. Graham Arnold is rough as guts around the edges. And I think that's what appealed to me. And I think that's what appeals to the playing group. And you talk about no egos. You could see that in the way that he spoke and the way that every other player spoke inside that team. And I think that's what you need, where the manager feels like he was in charge, but he wasn't elite and he wasn't aloof. And that was what I liked about this Australian team. Yeah, yeah. Like the manager, the term manager is really apt for Ferrani the way he did because he managed everything. It's not just coaching. And I've got to say, tactically in the four games as well, he, he got a lot right. He got more right than he got wrong. But... As a manager and as a man manager, he did so well. So I think, right, I, the word I've got is that if, if Arnie does move on, they will go local again. And the three names in in, um, in the candidacy role, I would say, uh, Tony Popovich, Kevin Muscat, John Aloisi. Not necessarily in that order, but there's three candidates now. And, and this is the good thing for Australian coaching with what Ange is doing, with what Patrick Isnorbo is now going over to do in France as well, we're widening the base for Australian managers to put themselves out there and then eventually come back and take care of our national team. So we don't need to go and find a Pimper Baker or a Holger Ossett. Okay, there was a reason for Gus Hiddings. I get that. But there should be no justification in years to come to not have two or three candidates for the Socceroos job at any given time. Adam Peacock is our guest on Afternoons here on SEN. Of course, codesport.com.au football writer. We're down to eight teams left in it. Croatia v Brazil, Netherlands, Argentina, Morocco, Portugal, and England and France. Um, corker of games. Looking forward to this one. Let's uh, let's dissect yeah. it. You're, you're across there. Let's go Croatia versus Brazil. Many believe Brazil are a, the genuine article and certainly certainly could be uh, could be winning this entire tournament and 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 re- we're seeing we're seeing them at their very best yeah they're the favorites and and justifiably so that first half against korea was the best half that any team has played mm. in this entire world cup so the the way that they do things can destroy teams in a blink 
uh, they, they sense an opportunity um, and they'll they'll just go and they'll go with combination play. They've got so much flair in their their front third, their front four players. You could say usually is the front third players, but they've got more behind that as well. With their fullbacks joining in and Casemiro, who's at Manchester United now, he's pulling the strings just behind those front players. So they've got so much balance in attack. It's it's ridiculous. The the only the only thing is if if they have an off day, they've got to have three on days and. It, there's the possibility that they have an off day and they'll be meeting an opposition which is greater than the Koreans through at them. Croatia will be hard to break down. Um, they, they're a different side to the Koreans. They'll, they'll be patient. They'll try and get Luka Modric on the ball, but got to favour Brazil in that one. Um, Argentina, Netherlands, that'll be cagey. I reckon really, really cagey. Um, it, it won't be quick. Um, I think Argentina came out of that uh, Australia match very relieved. <laughs> mostly, um, but they got messy. So you, you just have to go towards Argentina in that one. Portugal were good this morning, very good. I'd expect them maybe to be just a shade too good for Morocco, but Morocco are playing with all of North Africa and all of the Arab world behind them. And that's a big thing, especially being a World Cup on home soil. And then you've got this beauty between England and France, and I can't split the two, but maybe lean towards France because of Mbappe. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Bonafide star there. I just want to touch on Ronaldo and, of course, him walking off, apparently, again, walking off after being starting on the bench. Um, he's come out and basically mm-hmm. said, no, I understood all the strategies of it. I just walked off. Um, he's got form about walking off early. Uh, what did you make of uh, of that? And, um, yes, yeah, so his role inside this team, it's it's not his team anymore. He's, he's struggling to let go. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, I said at the start of the season with Manchester United you know, when all those problems started and he, he had that issue where he walked off before full-time against Spurs that he, he just hasn't come to terms with the fact that he's 37 now and, and a game of his based on physicality is waning because he, he's not, he doesn't have the exquisite ball control of a, a Lionel Messi. His, his other traits are beyond Messi's in terms of his explosiveness um, in the air and his power. Um, Messi's more a touch player and he's got... Messi has sprint explosiveness, but Ronaldo is just a beast as a physical specimen. But that's that's coming... He's coming down the other side now with that and he's he's really struggled to come to terms with it and his ego's not in check. And I um, applaud Fernando Santos, the, the Portugal manager, who obviously doesn't take any you-know-what because he's, he's just made the massive call and won the game 6-1. So I don't know how there's any justification to bring Ronaldo into a starting spot for the rest of the tournament for Portugal if they go all the way to the final. Um, it's a huge story because he, he does have this, you know, following that's beyond just a normal footballer and we get it. But at the moment, um, he's not in Portugal's best 11 and he can't argue that they weren't better without him the other day against Switzerland. No, I keep saying this and people keep laughing at me. You know Ronaldo's grandparents live in Perth, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, he nearly, he nearly joined them as well because he's, he's old man... He's, he grew up, his old man was an alcoholic um, and his mum, primary carer. And they were maybe looking at, possibly looking at going um, overseas to kind of, you know, make life a bit more comfortable. And he, well, it was a split second decision, a split second thought, I think. And the same with, oddly enough, Leno Messi, um, because their parents were, they grew up poor and they were looking at various parts around the world to maybe go to and Lino Messi and it came into Jorge's father it came into his mind once he goes oh maybe we're looking at America or Australia or something like that to move you know, so imagine if that we had those two <laughs> <laughs> now they'd probably end up playing the other footy codes yeah that's the way well, as, soon as, they arrive, as soon as they arrive the AFL would hand them a Sharon 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Hello to Lucy. Exactly. Hello to Lucy Zelly. She, yeah. she would be happy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but So they live in yeah, Yanji, but for those who don't know, it's a southern suburb and it's sort of like a market garden area, Spearwood. It's where Peter Sumich has got his uh, market garden, his carrots and his uh, potato and his peas. So it's in the southern suburbs. It's, it's not exactly uh, like... Top end of town, um, and they are no. living down there in in Yangee, Bup, in, the, in about twenty minutes south of Perth. Weird, isn't it? Weird. Maybe really oh, no, weird. For a club, maybe turn down Al Nasser and the hundred and thirty million dollars yeah. a year to come down and play for Perth Glory. Tony Sage, yeah, he'll have him uh, have him in a have him in an instant. So we're okay. So we've got eight teams. You've just got to back down to four with a line ball, England, France, and you genuinely think Brazil can go and win the whole shooting match. Oh, but, yeah, absolutely. They've got the best chance. Um, now, in these games, it's a bit like the European Champions League at the end of each year. There's no absolute moral. There's no one in the world you can call a moral because of the standard that these teams are, um, are playing in and against. The, the, I would say there's genuine hopes with, I mean, France, England, it looks like the winner of that goes to the final. But then if Portugal are on song again like they were against Switzerland, who I thought were lucky to get through in the first place, Switzerland, so you just be careful of that form of Portugal. Um, but your flip side, I mean, Brazil, Argentina in a semi-final of a World Cup. I mean, two two South America's greatest rivals, two of world football's greatest rivals. Uh, century worth of history between those two, far out. It's it's one to savour if it, if it does happen. But a few things can get in the way, like the Dutch and Louis van Gaal. He, he could upset. Um, he'll have a tactical plan to try and nullify Messi. And and you know, if Brazil have a poor day against Croatia. They've got the quality to hurt teams. But yeah, Brazil, Brazil, Argentina for me. And I'd, I would, on a limb, I'll say France, Portugal in the other semi final. Highlight of Qatar for you? What's your highlight? Oh, Socceroos. Like to witness that with my own eyes. Um, it, it's like it's the first time I've ever seen the Socceroos win a game live at a World Cup. So <laughs> that was after being good. That was my third World Cup going to. So it's been worth the wait. Um, and also, I won't call it a highlight, but it, it was really interesting to see not what all the fuss was about, but what the joint was really like, Qatar. And I'm yep. doing it, I'm putting together an article next week for Code. It's an in depth one about what the joint is actually like, the landscape, the labour laws, all of those things, eye-opening, absolutely eye-opening. So, yeah. Look forward to it. Look forward to reading. Was it expensive? Did you put the expenses in? And when you go back to the uh, the to, to the bean counters at Code Sport and say, sorry, this cost this, this and this, do you have to justify it? How are, yeah. the, um, how are the invoices all under control? No, that, that, all, all fine. The, um, uh, Ubers are pretty cheap, like really cheap. Uh, the Metro was free because you get the hire card, which is like your visa, so you've you got to think that. Um, once you find your right coffee shop, found a great coffee shop, $2 piccolos, fantastic Tunisian coffee, unreal. Um, are you a piccolo man, are you? Go for, go for yeah, a piccolo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, no there's like milkshake stuff with your coffee, just hard <laughs> and fast, mate. Um, but with um, with beers, like, because they, they, want, they want to keep that, they want people to be able to have a beer, but they want it off, they want it Secret, not yeah. secret, but not in public view. You get to go into a five-star hotel and you get charged between twenty to twenty-five for a pint. So yeah, it's an expensive night out in Doha if you want to go and get blind. <laughs> good stuff. Hey, good. Thanks for the chat, mate. We look forward to reading that article, uh, of course, when you pen it. Codesports.com.au. Thanks for joining us and welcome home. Thanks, Goss. Cheers, mate. Good you, mate. There's Adam Peacock joining us and thank you, Dean. Says doesn't Gabriel Batistuta still live in Western Australia? He doesn't. He doesn't. He did for a while. His kids went to Hale School and he was involved and was walking the streets here. But, yeah, I'm pretty sure he doesn't still live in WA. I might be wrong.
I might be wrong. Uh, Adam Peacock might be able to confirm that for me uh, down the line. But anyway, well, let's get a breakaway and come back. Uh, coming up after 1.30, we've got a, a very, very special guest. We've got more calls, your texts, your calls. Um, and, of course, James Erskine has come out and absolutely smashed Cricket Australia as well about the handling of David Warner. A break. Come back. This is Afternoons on SEN.